You are listening to our Refinery Church podcast. Each message is from our most recent weekend service located on our downtown Brea campus. We hope you are encouraged and strengthened from today's episode. Now for a timely message from Pastor Jared Wagner. Any World Cup fans in the house? Anybody watching the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let me hear your team. Who do you have? USA. Argentina, USA, Mexico. Mexico, okay, okay, okay. Japan, a shout out for Japan. Are they in the world? No, they won a game, I think. Huh? They upset somebody, right? Uh, yeah, it was, um, was Germany. Germany. Oh, Frank, he, he helps clean up in the mornings. He's in Germany now, so if he's watching online, Frank, there's another game, pal. Germany can do it. Two more wins. <clears throat> well, it's an honor for me to be able to share the word of God this morning. Always such a privilege to share God's word. And my heart and hope and prayer for you is that you would be in a position to really receive God's word. Not just today. We went through an amazing series that Pastor Kelly led us in called Immovable. What a a great series in the word of God. Just thinking about the covenants of God for us, for his people, and the confidence that we could have in God's promises. We don't want to just hear. Hearing's important. Being here or being online, it's very important to hear, but then let's do something with it. Let's allow it to become part of us and what we believe and how we live. So when we think of the promises of God, let it transform us and give us the confidence that it's intended to do. Someone had mentioned, well, uh, a promise is only as good as the one who gives it. And I think that's true, but the good news in this case is that God is all good. So his promises are sure. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, no matter how many promises God has made, They are yes and amen in Christ. We were singing that, the worship song, all your promises are yes and amen. I was like, yes, they are. They're yes and yes and yes. You are faithful to your word, God. His covenant is written, as we have learned, in his blood. It's cemented in, it's immovable. And so when we go through the series, because God's word is immovable, it's sure, we can count on it. Anything that comes against it, it it prevails. It's victorious. And because of that, when we're part of that covenant, we are immovable as well. Uh, I was going to wear a cape and just kind of come out here. Because that's how I feel, you know, as Christians. Like, we have the victory. It's all good. I mean, we know the end. And with Christ and with his word and the Holy Spirit within us, we are winners in Christ. That's good. The title of the message, if you're taking notes, is God promises all things work for good. We're going to really just dwell on one verse this morning in Romans 8, 28. And it's, it's sort of a cherry on top, if you can see the immovable, our first thing. Uh, Craig was impressed with, uh, you know, the graphics here. We threw a cherry on top. That, that's the idea here, right? We had a great series, and this is just a little bit on top. We're going to focus on one of God's promises. There's so many. As we look at this one and embrace it and receive it, this is one of promises all throughout scripture. It's incredible. I say, go, go searching for it. 
like golden nuggets of promises of God. So Romans 8, 28, we're going to read that on the board. It says, you can read it with me. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. One verse, simple, straightforward, but powerful and wonderful and mighty. Right. I, I went to my wife's house for the first time before we were married. And I looked at, if you ever visit someone's house and you're, you're young and you're in college, you know the refrigerator, right? So the, their family welcomed us to the refrigerator, so I loved it. But on the refrigerator, there was a verse that my wife gave to her parents. And, and they put it on there, they put a little magnet, and it was Romans 8, 28. And I thought about as I got to know them over the years and, and understood their life and what they went through. My wife gave the, her parents this verse when they were just struggling, struggling financially at this time. And, and she was telling them that God has a, a promise for you, that even though things are difficult, mom and dad, things are going to work out good for you. God's going to work out this hardship in a good way because you love him and you're called according to his purposes. I thought, I wonder how many times they went to that refrigerator and looked at that verse when they were reflecting on the daughter that they lost to an asthma attack. You know, how many times when they were discouraged or down did they look at that verse and maybe they went to get something to eat and they said, this is what I need to feed on for a minute. This is dwelling on God's promise in their life. And then I wonder what Jen's mom, my wife's mom, reflected on when she looked at this verse when her husband had passed away. She lived on a 20-acre uh, land and, and kind of in a remote area, and I thought there had to be times where she was just feeling down, discouraged, and lonely. Maybe where she just looked at that verse. She just sat in a chair, maybe. That's what I had in mind. And she looked and said, God, you promised to make good out of all things. And maybe even asking, I wonder how you're going to do that in this case mm -hmm. to the man that I was married with for decades and no longer is in my life. But God, you promised to make good out of all things because I love you. On her refrigerator was kind of that rainbow promise, the scar in the hand of God saying, I bled, I died for this promise. Mm -hmm. And you can count on it. He will do it. You can count on this promise for your life and in your situation, all things. As we learned, a covenant, a promise often has two parties involved. And we see in this verse that there's two parties involved. The promise of God, he will work all things together for good. And what's the other side? Who is that promise to? It's conditional for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Not all things work together for good for all people. That's, right. That's what, what this verse tells us. But I love that all people are invited to receive the love of God and to love God and to have this verse available for them. <clears throat> who are these people that love God? That's important because I want to know if this promise is for me. Who are these people that love God? It's, it's believers. Those who have turned 
to Jesus in faith, love God. It's a mark of a true believer. It doesn't mean that, that it's perfect and it's unfailing, but you love God. If you believe in Jesus, you can honestly say, I do love God. And if you love God, you're called according to his purposes of being justified and conformed into his image and having eternal life. And so this promise is not just in the Bible for someone else. This promise is for you. So you could put this verse on your refrigerator. And when you're going through whatever circumstance it may be, you could look at it and say, God, whew, you must be God if you're going to be good out of this thing that I'm feeling or this thing that I'm dealing with. But you said it. And so, God, I'm trusting in your promise. Amen. Mm, thank you, Lord. As we look at this verse a little bit closer, we're going to take a hold of what it means to know. It says we know, right? And then we're going to see how this working good looks in others' lives. That's important. We're going to spend time doing that. And then we're going to see what this promise means in your life, how it makes a difference. So this first word, the first couple of words, it says, and we know, and we know, and we know. Well, what do we know? <laughs> because the verses before says that we don't know all things. It's sometimes that we don't know why we go through suffering, why we go through hardships, why we go through struggles, why we groan, why life is tough. Sometimes we don't understand at times. Like, God, oh, why do you allow this in my life? You're God, you see it, you know it, you care about me, you can do something different. But you're allowing this to happen, and so sometimes we don't know certain things that are happening in our sufferings, and our perplexities, in our groaning. The Holy Spirit helps us in our do not knows. But we do know something, <laughs> the Bible says. We do know in our sufferings and groanings and perplexities that if we love God, it works out for good. You know, I've had the privilege to be uh, a helper in all of my kids' elementary classes and help them to uh, do a project. You know, do a project that, that we did in every one of their classes. So you take a piece of paper, see if you've ever done this before. The mic's falling. You're falling. I'm falling. <laughs> okay, give them a hand. So in elementary school, if you've ever had a, a piece of paper and you tore it up and tore it up and tore it up, and, and you're going, what are we doing here? And the teacher says, well, just keep tearing it up and make a little pile and some falls on the floor. And it just looks like a mess. You're going, why is like all this paper shredded all over the place? And there's glue sticks. What are we going to do here? Because this looks like chaos, right? And that's what I thought the first time I was in the class doing this project. And all of a sudden, the teacher said, okay, now we're going to make a picture out of all these torn up, broken pieces. And we're going to make something that looks beautiful. And, and you can put up the, the rainbow. And then sometimes there's a picture like this that we make out of all the shredded pieces. And it's, it's something beautiful. It's something meaningful. And I thought of this verse. That sometimes in our lives, things look like a mess. They look all torn up. 
They look out of place. They look chaotic. And you think, well, what's going to happen with all this craziness? And God, I know of this verse, Romans 8, 28, that says you're going to somehow bring good out of this. And I want to tell you that God does bring good, even out of your mess, even out of your chaos, even out of your mistakes and failures. I mean, some of the kids had glue in their hand, glue all over, and then somehow they you know, got it and peeled it off there, and they made something that they brought home, and they gave to their parents, and their parents said, that looks beautiful, son. That looks beautiful, daughter. And they put that on the refrigerator, right? Making beauty out of a mess. Making good out of all things. And again, let's understand in this verse that it doesn't say that all things are good. Now, life is tough sometimes. And there's sin in the world. There's disappointment. There's injustice. There's wrongs. So not everything is good. But out of all things, God will bring good. So think right now. Just give it a, a moment to think of your greatest difficulty. Your greatest challenge, something you might be dealing with right now. And if you love God, he promises even in that situation, even in that trial, even in that circumstance, even in those tears, I promise you, I'll bring good out of that. Maybe you were recalling something in the past that was a low time in your life and you just thought, I don't know how I'm going to move on in this. But after months and maybe years, you saw God's hand move. You saw something good come from it. You said, God, you are good and you are faithful. And all your promises are yes and amen. I know in my life when I go through struggles and, and sorrow, I have a good buddy that I talk to a lot. Um, he goes to this church and I talk to him on the way to work and sometimes when I feel like, man, I've been wronged or I'm going through an issue or a struggle, I sincerely tell him, hmm, man, I wonder what God's going to do through this. And, and there's a hope. There's a, a, a little bit of joy in my pain. There's an anticipation of this really stinks. So God's really going to bring something good. And I kind of just, I, I, I get a little excited. And I know that God has been faithful in the past. And I know God will use all circumstances to work good in your life. We can stand immovable in the midst of the battering of life because we know good will come from what is even bad. Often the deeper the issue, the greater the anticipation and the greater good that comes in our lives. This promise... Romans 8, 28 can change our perspective, can change our feelings, can help us in dark times. God, you're working in this. You're the great orchestrator. You're a miracle worker, and you're going to take this and bring good out of it. I thought of the football games. Anybody watch football? Not this football, but this football Thursday. Anybody watch the, the games? Okay. The Detroit Lions were actually winning a football game. Whoa. Yeah. And they were winning a football game. It didn't quite end that way. No. <clears throat> but I thought, what if the Buffalo Bills, who ended up winning the game, but when they were losing, what if they knew the outcome of the game? 
What if they knew at the end we're going to win this game? It's going to be a good ending. How might that have changed their feelings and their perspective during the game? You know, there, there was a, a player that the ball was thrown to him. He was wide open. He could have caught it and ran. He dropped it. Right? That's not good. There was a, a fumble. Right? So what if you dropped the ball? What if you fumbled, but you knew your team was still going to win? You might be head down a little bit and disappointed, like, man, I want to catch that next time. But at the same time, you'd say, but this didn't cost a good outcome. And so I'm a little disappointed I dropped the ball, but my team is still going to win the game. Kind of perks your head up a little bit. And then when the friend or teammate goes, you idiot, it was right there. You're going to dude, like, I know, I'll try next time, but... It's all good. <laughs> We're going to win this thing, right? What about when a player got hit and they got just drilled and they were on the ground feeling pain? Pain feels a little bit better. Still hurts, but it feels a little bit better when you know there's going to be a good outcome. So you get, oh, oh but we're going to win. Okay. <laughs> get up and move a little bit. What about when the referee misses a call and throws a flag on you and you're like this is such an injustice like I didn't do that what's going on I got robbed here but our team's gonna win <laughs> it's gonna be good and how about those opponents man when they're up they're good at talking trash you're horrible your team's no good look at the score we're up by 10 and you're just going, really? Okay, well, you got anything else to say? Because you know at the end it's going to be all good. Sometimes in our lives we get hit hard. And we feel real pain. Or we're disappointed. Even in ourselves and our mistakes and imperfections. Sometimes injustice happens to us and it's painful, it's disappointing. And how often does our spiritual enemy talk trash to us? You think God loves you? You think God cares? You think God's good? And then we say, yeah, he is. And in your trash talking, in my pain, and even in my failures, God is going to work good out of this. Changes the game. Changes your perspective. God brings good out of all things even sometimes our low points in life. And I just want to mention a few people that had a low point in their life and they testified that God still brought good out of that situation. There was a man named Chuck Colson. Anybody hear Chuck Colson? He's a, an older gentleman, right? He was found guilty of breaking the law and he was sentenced to seven months in prison, which he testified when he wrote a book that it was a low point in his life. But he also said that God used that time, used his guilt to give him empathy and care for prisoners, for inmates like he was. So two years after his incarceration, he started what was called the Prison Fellowship Ministry. And it was an outreach to prisoners, ex-prisoners, and their families. And so he testified how God met him at his low point showed him mercy, forgave him, and said, I can not only forgive you, but I can give you a heart for these people. I can put my heart in you and then start an incredible ministry through your life. Over 250,000 people and counting 
have come to faith in Jesus through prison fellowship. 100,000 people finished a discipleship program that they have that they can do in jail, send out, and get a certificate. Anybody ever participate in angel tree ministry? It's at, at Christmas time where you take gifts off and you buy these gifts and then they give you an address to an inmate's family. I've done this with our family. We've gone and just a, a beautiful time. You knock on the door and it's in this case it was a woman and her kids. We had a chance to give them gifts and say, you know, God has you on his radar. God loves you. Give them gifts. We prayed for them. They were encouraged. All these things and so much more. When the inmates get out, having place for them to stay and getting them jobs and giving them training all came from this man's low point that God worked in his life. And then he, in his book, gave God praise. And he said, it was my lowest point of life. And yet God brought so much good from it. There was a man named Bill Wilson. He was a Wall Street banker who drank away his career, his marriage. He spent several times in the hospital. Bill was a believer, but struggled with alcoholism. And he testified that God was still gracious, that God was still good, that God still ran after him with his mercy. In Ohio, God led Bill and another man to start the Christian organization called Alcoholics Anonymous that help people overcome addiction. So many people have been ministered to and have been delivered from addiction. And he testifies again that he had this great struggle. God helped him through, delivered him from this, and gave him these steps that he would implement, starting off as a Christian organization, and to bless other people and to help them. Before Bill died, he said, well, hasn't God brought so much good from all that was bad? God bless you and Alcoholics Anonymous forever. I like that first part, right? Well, hasn't God brought so much good from all that was bad? What a testimony. Romans 8, 28. What does this promise look like in other people? There was a, a man in the Bible named Lazarus. Anybody ever hear of Lazarus? Yeah. All right. Chuck Colson, there was a few. Yeah. Uh, Lazarus got a few more. So, okay, that's good. A man named Lazarus, he was so sick that he was going to die. And I, I want to read on, on the screen John chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, a little bit of the story. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He's from, Beth from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. I remember reading this for the first time as a Christian, first time through the Bible. I got to those verses and I thought, oh, well, Jesus is going to heal him. He loves Lazarus. Lazarus loves him. Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, worship Jesus. Well, this is going to be easy. I've seen, I've read other areas where Jesus speaks healing. But Jesus' response when he heard that his friend that he loved was sick, in verse 6, he says, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was at. Excuse me? 
I read that again. I'm, I think I'm missing something. I really remember the first time pausing and said, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, I don't see how that is a good thing, to pause and, and not heal a friend that he could have healed. It just didn't equate logically to me. How is waiting something good for Lazarus who loves you? Jesus waited until Lazarus died from his sickness. Then he told his disciples, let's go. Well, okay. <laughs> like talk about you missed the time, Jesus. Time's a little bit off. Well, where's the, the good in this? And you might be thinking in your life, you know, I'm dealing with a situation that's tough, that's difficult, and the timing doesn't seem off, or the timing seems off, the logic isn't quite there. I don't know what God's doing. He could have done something before, but he didn't. So how is this going to turn out good? Well, how is it going to turn out good for Lazarus and for his sisters? Right? Jesus waited Till he died, and then he told his disciples, come on, I'm going to go wake him from death. And he told his disciples on the way, he was glad he didn't go until now, so to cause them to believe in a greater way about who he is. And he said, you know, I'm glad I didn't heal him, because <laughs> I'm going to raise him from the dead, and this is going to cause your faith to increase. The sisters heard that Jesus was coming, didn't hear what Jesus said there, and at different times approached him and said, Jesus, if you were there, you could have healed my brother. Anybody ever lost somebody that they love? Right? How, how painful is that? How difficult is that? And the sisters saying, Jesus, you could have healed them if you were here. Like, you're able. And I, th I thought, well, that was good faith, right? But there was sadness there and, and kind of a question, like, why, God? And Jesus said, do you believe? Do you believe in, in the resurrection? She said, I believe, yeah, down the line, you're going to do a good work. And he was going to do a work right then in that time. We're going to read verses 36 and 37. Jesus came to the tomb. Mary was weeping, others were weeping, Jesus wept too. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? So they were asking the question too, hey, I heard this guy healed somebody that was blind. Couldn't he have kept this man from dying? He's crying, everybody's crying, it looks like he cares. And then Jesus comes in verses 43 through 45. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I like that. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. Jesus waited, he delayed, allowed sickness to happen, allowed somebody to die because he had good in mind. What good? What good? We see some of the good. The disciples' faith was built. So the disciples are going, man, I've seen him raise somebody from the dead. I mean, that ignited their faith even more. Mary and Martha's faith was built through this miracle, through this waiting. 
in a way that wouldn't have happened if he didn't wait and do a miracle in that way. How about Lazarus? I mean, his faith is like, dude, like I heard I was sick. I don't remember I died, right? But sometimes when you're sick, then you kind of get in a place where you don't remember what's going on. You wake up, imagine like you were dead. God did a, a miracle. Like you were dead. We were at your, your service. And then here you are, you're, you're, you're woken. How many know the story of Pastor Kelly and how many of us celebrate that over and over and over again? Say, God, you brought good out of a tough situation. And we celebrate that. Many, it says, came to faith because they were there with Martha and they saw what Jesus did and said, oh, this isn't just a man. This is the Messiah, the Savior. I'm trusting in him. I'm following him. Brought incredible good out of a difficult situation. And we get to talk about it. We, even in this day, get to celebrate the miracle of Jesus. Jesus has good in mind. That's the heart of God in all things. And look, when a believer dies, many of us raised our hand. When a believer dies, that's the ultimate good that comes from, for them. The ultimate good. What good comes out? Yes, it's hard. Yes, we miss. Yes, it's difficult. But praise God for them. The ultimate good has come in their lives. And when we serve a God that will even have death serve us for good. The final enemy, death. Jesus conquered, and he said, I will use you to bring ultimate good to those who love me. In our day, there's a, a woman named Joni Erickson Tata, and she suffered a great tragedy. 17-year-old girl. How many of you are 17 in here? Any 17-year-olds? Huh? How many of you were 17 at one time? Right? <laughs> 17-year-old believer in Jesus took a dive in water, hit the bottom, and broke her neck and was left a quadriplegic. How does that work for good? For a mom that gets that call, there's been an emergency and your daughter has had an accident. How does it work for a 17-year-old that had a future and dreams and a hope lined up in her mind and now she can't walk. God, what are you going to do with that? In the book that she wrote about her life story, she said that she struggled with severe depression and lost hope for her future, dealt with pain and really didn't want to live anymore. But she testified in the midst of that as a a young girl, young teenager, that she knew that God would somehow use this for good. Wow, good for her. As she would have that type of faith. God would work in her heart and work in her life. She eventually started a ministry called Joni and Friends, a ministry for the disabled community. You have to check out her her site and listen to her podcast. Amazing story. She continues to minister. And through this ministry, 200,000 wheelchairs 
have been delivered internationally called Wheels for the World. 64,000 special needs families and counting have been served with the retreats and getaways, 111,000 Bibles delivered. This organization in part is in Ukraine and other war-torn areas right now with ongoing rescue and care for people with disabilities. She's also a two-time cancer survivor who speaks at churches and conferences and hospitals and rehab centers and schools. In 2017, Joni celebrated 50 years of God bringing good out of a life-changing tragedy. She said, after all the good that has come, I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm. God bringing good out of all things. Just in closing for a few minutes, I, I want to talk to us about how this verse can make a difference in your life. Romans 8, 28. God can bring good out of all circumstances. And if you look at the context of this verse, the following verses talk about one of the good things that God does out of all things is helps us to be more like Jesus, to be conformed to the image of his son, to have a heart like his, a character like his. If you have turned to Jesus, if you love Jesus, then you want to be like him. Lord, I want to be like you. I want to reflect you to the world. Well, part of the good that brings, that God brings out of all circumstances is that you will be more and more like Christ. Sometimes you meet the person you feel like is Jesus on earth, right? I mean, they're so godly and so Christ-like, and you get to hear their story, and you realize their story has a lot of sorrow and a lot of tragedy, a lot of hardship. But God has used all those things to mold them into the person that they are. A good that comes out of hardship is that God will help us to be more like Jesus Christ. A good that comes from a hardship and seeing God work is our faith and others' faith, faith is built up by how God works in all things. And when we see someone's story, when we hear their testimony, our faith is built. And we're saying, God did something incredible out of that mess. Sometimes we look at somebody's circumstance and say, man, like it's over for them. Like this is not good. And then we see God work and we're going, like, dude, I thought it was over. But God didn't. And my faith is built by seeing what he did through your life. One thing I noticed in my life that I really look forward to when I'm going through a struggle or unjust or a hardship is that I know my empathy and compassion grows for people that are suffering the same thing. So I'll go through a situation. God will help me through. He'll give me his compassion. And then I'm able to say, you know, I've, I've been there. I lost my brother in a young age. We lived together and he died in a car accident. So I feel like when someone loses somebody they love in an accident, at first I just kind of want to be there and not say much. But then I feel like I've got a little bit to offer, a little bit of empathy, a little bit of compassion, because I've been through it. And I say, thank you, God, that I can minister a little better because of what I went through, and you brought good out of that. We increase our wisdom 
and our trust in God is built over his faithfulness over and over and over again. We can have confidence in the promises of God. We can live in this Romans 8:28 promise and remain immovable because God's promise is immovable. Let's have confidence in our sovereign God who governs your life for good. Let's live in the, the unshakable, immovable promises of God. Amen. Yes. I'm going to just take a minute and pray for you. And then we're going to close in a worship song and Pastor Kelly will come and close our service. But if you don't mind just closing your eyes, I just want to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your word, God, that you promised to bring good out of all things for we who love you. God, for those right now who are going through a circumstance, going through a struggle, those who look back maybe 10 years ago in a suffering and a pain, and, and they may not be able to see the good that you're working. Lord, give them faith, faith to believe that you're at work. We may not always see it, God, but we know you. We know your faithfulness. Give them eyes to see the good that you are working out. Give them hope and peace and a little bit of joy and a lot of confidence, God, that the victory is theirs in you. We worship you, God. We love you. Just say that. You can say it quietly if you want. Lord, we love you. We are the people that love you, God. And we thank you for your goodness. As we close, Lord, in this final worship song, God, that you would be glorified and magnified, that we would set our hearts and our minds upon you, and that at the same time, Holy Spirit, you would just be here in a powerful way, encouraging folks building them up and lifting their head. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more great content and information about Refinery Church, find us at wearerefinery.com and our socials, We Are Refinery. If you would like to help support and give to the ministry, visit our website at wearerefinery.com forward slash give. See you on our next episode at the Refinery Church Podcast.